I was mixed emotions. I was feeling like, okay, I know what's wrong or I know what's going on now. So at least you have answers because not having answers, I think is sometimes the most difficult part of the whole journey. So now I have an answer, but it didn't look that great. <laughs> so I have this like time bomb in my head that I'm hoping is not going to blow up, but no one can really tell me. And if it blows up, what does that look like? Do I die? Do I go to the hospital? Like, I don't even know what that is. So I was really just trying to stay as positive as possible. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to the Let's Thrive Podcast. I'm your very grateful host, Emily Feichels, and this podcast is practically my child. <laughs> I mean, with the amount of time, money, and energy I've invested in this thing, but I wouldn't change it for the world. You could say that I'm abundantly grateful for this platform and the opportunity to connect with so many of you and to interview such inspiring, educational, and empowering guests. And the reason I'm getting all sappy about gratitude today is because our guest, Bethany Holmes, has had quite the mindset shift to gratitude after an undiagnosed health struggle led to brain surgery, and it actually changed her life forever, in a good way, trust me. <laughs> it's a fascinating journey full of despair, frustration, joy, hope, and all the feels for gratitude. It truly made me reconsider how I view my own life and just be a little extra grateful for my health and everything I've been given. And I know that sounds very cliche. People always say, you know, oh, it made me think differently. But honestly, like even if the feeling is fading, you know, so you listen to it once and immediately afterwards, you're like, yes, I'm so grateful for everything. And then two days later, you're like, oh, I hate my life. Look, everything goes in highs and lows, ups and downs. It's like the waves of the ocean. Some days you're going to be feeling the gratitude and some days you're not. And that's okay. I'm just going to ask that you tr give it a go, you know? Because I just truly think that life is so precious, and sure, I'm, I'm sure everyone fundamentally knows this, but I just think personally that when you've seen death or felt the scare of a health struggle, whether it was with yourself or someone else, or you've been in any sort of unfortunate situation, you know, whether that's with money or race or trauma, you know, emotional, mental, whatever it is, I just think that you start to look at life differently, or at least you can, you know, some people do, I suppose. A friend of mine once described this mindset as seeing the light in the little things, and I think that just feels right, you know, that, that feels like a good summation of what I was just blabbering on about. I mean, for instance, how many of us live day by day without even taking a moment to pause in gratitude? And I'm not getting on my high horse about this because trust me, I've done the same and I still do the same. And I know there are people out there much busier than I who are listening to this and maybe thinking like, well... But I mean, the thing is, we truly do have the time. No one can say that, you know, I don't have one minute of spare time because we all have at least one minute of spare time, at least I'd hope, right? If you can take that one minute of time and just dedicate it to gratitude, that's a lot of time. You know, think one minute to sit there and think of nothing but gratitude for what you have. I just think that's so important and it changes lives. And even as we live in these strange and confusing times, 2020 has been one hell of a year, you know, we're just all up in our boats about it. But it can be so easy to fall into the why me hole, black hole of, you know, why me or why is this happening to me? Rather than thinking, why is this happening for me? Like, what can I take from this situation? What can I learn from it? And so I just urge you, anyone, all of us, myself included, to take a step back and really think about it sometimes. Try asking what we're grateful for or to journal about it and just, you know, keep going with it until you find that little spark of gratitude. It's not always easy to find what you're truly grateful for, but when you do, it's so worth it, actually. Uh, if you tune into episode 49, yes, 49, with Britt Berlin, you can hear all about the scientific and the mental effects of gratitude on our brain and our mind and how it actually helped her, Britt Berlin, through very severe depression and 
that episode will always be a favorite of mine for just how it connected with me and so many of you others. Uh, But yeah, so keynotes for today's little speech that I just gave you (laughs) in this intro is gratitude, gratitude, and more gratitude. As cliche and cheesy as it sounds and as overused as that word is on Instagram and social media, gratitude can change lives and it will change your life if you take it seriously and if you apply it to your life more than once a month. You know, let's try to do (laughs) once a week, if not more, um, as a starting point. And you know what? If you're struggling, like, reach out to me. We can do, like, a little gratitude challenge on my Instagram or something. I don't know. Um, Or, like, put it in your calendar of, or actually what I do is, like, it's just part of my routine now. Every morning when I'm journaling, I usually write about something I'm grateful for. Or at night, you know, if it's been a long day, I try to say something at dinner just to remind, you know, my family too that gratitude's important. So that's that. As for today's episode, stemming from a lot of gratitude, we start with Bethany's journey with health. This includes being an advocate for yourself and health. As as you'll hear, Bethany had (laughs) quite the journey of, you know, not being diagnosed, not being taken seriously for her health concerns. Um, And then eventually, when it turned into emergency brain surgery, everyone was taking her seriously. And so we really discussed that journey, how to stand up for yourself, and then the actual surgery, uh, what she was diagnosed with, and what the recovery process looked like afterwards. So in that, we talk about the physical healing process, but also the emotional and mental as well, which is how she started a program she now runs. And we talk a bit about Reiki and just different practices, such as gratitude, that really helped her heal afterwards and try to get back to a normal life, as normal as can be. So in that, shifting your mindset, being grateful, and also having grace for yourself in times of uncertainty, like when her job was on and off again and she didn't know what was going on in her life. Just let us know what parts of it resonate with you most and you can connect with Bethany and or I on Instagram. She's at the healthy underscore B and I'm at Emily Feichels or at Let's Thrive Podcast. Everything is linked below. And as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can leave a rate or review on Apple Podcasts and I'd appreciate it so much. Maybe mention something about your gratitude practice in there so I can reach out, connect, whatever, we can have a little convo. Uh, But I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful for you guys for giving me a project to work on that just lights me up and connects so many of us. So without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation. To start off, I was just wondering if you could give an introduction into who you are and what it is you're doing today, and then we can kind of go back in time and really go to the beginning of your entire journey. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Bethany Holmes, and I am the owner and founder of The Healthy Bee. I'm a health coach, and I'm also a content writer, um, and I have a wellness blog. So I share all of my information through my Instagram and on my my website. Um, to go a little further back, I was in HR in my most in my previous <laughs> career. Um, that was never really a passion of mine. I've always wanted to kind of do something in health and wellness, but I really wasn't sure what. And it wasn't until I went through health trauma about four and a half years ago that really kind of pushed me to look at a different career path and kind of inspired me as well um, to go back to school, become a health coach, and to help others who are just struggling with health issues. It's crazy how these health traumas we can, we go through are so horrible. I mean, you just, you know, when you're in the thick of them, it's hard to see what good they're bringing into your life, but it's amazing how they can redirect your life in the most wonderful ways after, after they've been resolved. So I, that's what I love about your journey too. And, you know, so growing up, were you interested in health and wellness? Like, or were you just probably your typical, you know, kid, teenager? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I'd always been somewhat healthy in the sense of I moved my body and I paid a little bit of attention to what I was eating. Um, I had always done some sort of sport in, in high school. I ran cross country and track. So I don't even know why looking back, it was like the most grueling sport I could have picked. Um, But I was always, you know, like active. And then as far as food, I really wasn't 
like conscious of what I was eating. Like my mom cooked every day. And so it was always home cooked meals. Um, and there really was not a lot of junk food, but looking back, it could have been a lot better. I could have definitely had more fruits, more vegetables. Um, but it was good in a sense because I didn't like stress about food. And I feel like nowadays, kids in high school and even younger, like it's so in their face all the time with these diets and this and that. And I'm just grateful I didn't have that noise or I wasn't even aware of it when I was younger. Um, but yeah, I'd always kind of grown up with a very balanced version of, you know, eating well and exercising but I never really had a passion or even thought about it as a career because I really didn't even understand the options of a career, like what that would look like, um, to be honest. Yeah. And not to get too off track, but, you know, on the note of the noise that diet culture and all of that can create nowadays, you did this post, I think it was just a day or two ago about like, just eat the egg about this experience you had in a restaurant. And I commented, I relate, I'm a waitress and It is crazy the amount of, I mean, these people, it's almost like they're just thinking out loud and they'll just be debating. Like I'm standing there waiting to take their order as five other tables wait. And they're just (laughs) debating like, is this too many carbs? Like, oh, I don't know if I can eat that. And like, they're throwing out all these diet terms. And I'm like, I don't like, oh, it's just, it's frustrating. You know, you just kind of want to shake them and say, hey, (laughs) this isn't any way to live. So I agree that it's just nowadays there's so much so much noise and it's hard sometimes to block it out definitely oh absolutely and I think you know there was a moment post-college before I moved to New York where I was just really unhappy and I did use exercise and food to kind of like control a situation because I felt like my life was so out of control and then after going through having brain surgery I just looked at those behaviors and it was almost like there is no room for air like food is meant to nourish you like your mental health is so important for your overall well-being so having that like traumatic experience almost kind of like any thought that I had about diet food this or that was just out the window because it just didn't even matter and it was crazy that such a traumatic situation had to happen for it to shift that mindset um but I think a lot of young women I mean really deal with it Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's so prevalent as, you know, and a lot of the guests I have on here are people who have had at one point or another, it always comes into the conversation, you know, just kind of a not so great relationship with, you know, health or exercise. And so, yeah, you know, I, I do like to showcase that. So people know, you know, something a lot of us go through. And yeah. um, so you did mention college did in college, what did you major in or go for? So I originally was in like a business school in accounting, which was kind of a push from my dad. (laughs) Um, Like, you know, that's such a great career, blah, blah, blah. He was in accounting and in that field. So I was like, okay, I'll do the business school accounting. And then I took classes and I was like, this cannot be my life. This is so boring. There is no way. And I'm not like someone who can sit at a computer all day long looking at numbers. I need to be out. I need to be moving. I need to be talking to people. I need to be socializing. So halfway through college, my the end of my sophomore year, um, I just had to quit that whole <laughs> path. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I had taken all of these courses for business school and switching my major would kind of put me back because I took all these prereqs. So I was at a crossroads and I was like, well, I could go get my business degree and absolutely hate my, you know, major and work a job that I don't like, or I can make the switch. So I really had no clue what I wanted to do. And I just went to communications and PR. Um, Communications, I mean, super broad, right? The classes were really interesting. Um, It was easy (laughs) comparatively to the business school. And I was just able to kind of just enjoy college more. The courses weren't that difficult. And then at the same time, I had a minor in PR and I hated PR, but I was just like, oh, I'm just going to finish this out. I can't change it again. Um, So I graduated with a degree in communications and PR and then out of college, got a job in the automotive industry as like an admin. And then from there joined the HR team. So had really nothing to do with communications and PR, but I feel like that's a lot of people's story. Yeah, exactly. When I was um, debating 
Like I was, I had boiled it down. I'm like, I'm either dropping out of college or I'm getting a super basic degree because I don't know what I want to do. And if the college I was at had offered communications, which they didn't. And I'm like, what the hell? Everywhere else does. (laughs) Um, I know. I know. I was like, I would have, I would have just done that. It was a small school, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think I would have ended up hating it. It's, it's interesting when you start your own business to learn what you need for your specific needs. Um, I don't think I'd like to go through the entire program for it, but yes. I think looking back, I would have done like marketing and advertising because Mm -hmm being an entrepreneur, like you need to know how to sell yourself and get yourself out there. Um, and I struggle a lot with that because I have no I guess, education in that. <laughs> yeah. Same, same here. <laughs> so during this time, we've mentioned it a few times here and there, but you had an extreme health issue come up, uh, kind of seemingly out of the blue. So yeah. when did symptoms start, you know, happening? When did all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, something's not right here with my health. I've I've got to, you know, figure this out. Yeah. So after college, I started working um, in Michigan. That's where I'm from. And I always wanted to move to New York City. But my parents were like, we are not going to financially help you. And and it's expensive. So if you want to go, like find yourself away there. So I worked for three years. I saved a lot of money. And I finally got a job in the city and made the move. Um, and I was just so happy to be in New York and it was like, it's almost like those moments where everything is so good that it almost makes you nervous. And I've learned that like, you need to take that anxiety out and just really enjoy the moment rather than, you know, manipulate it and, and all of that. But, um, so I'm living in New York and feeling great. Everything's working out. The job that I moved there for did not work out, which was a blessing because it wasn't a right fit. I ended up getting this other job that I loved And about, I would say seven or eight months after moving to the city, I started not feeling well. And not feeling well, meaning like low energy. Um, I couldn't, I, you know, I was a runner. I started running a lot after college and I was running like six, seven miles a day and I wasn't able to do that anymore. And I just like couldn't keep up and that wasn't like me. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I just moved to New York. It's a really busy city. My schedule is a lot more busy you know, kind of giving my, like talking myself down, like, okay, it's fine. Like, you know, these things happen. You just need to rest more, but you know, and people who have had health issues know, you know, when there's something wrong with your body, you know, when you're tired versus like from, you know, doing too much versus you're tired because there's something internally not working correctly. And I just had that feeling that there was something wrong. So I went to the doctor, um, I didn't really have like a doctor in the city yet. So I went to like a city MD and very basic, did blood work, you know, everything checked out. You probably have a virus. You're fine. Okay. Then it was like still a couple of months not feeling myself. So I found a real like doctor that I could, you know, see regularly and all of that. And she did some more extensive blood work and decided to send me to a neurologist because she thought that it was potentially Lyme. So I went to a neurologist that specialized in Lyme. She did a ton of testing. She diagnosed me with Lyme, even though the test was negative, which I know that Lyme is very controversial and the testing, I I don't know much about it, but basically I came back, everything was negative, but she said based on my symptoms, she would treat me for Lyme. And that treatment was like three months of antibiotics. And I just knew that, and I'm, I'm not one to ever really be sick when I was younger, and there was no way I was going to take three months of antibiotics for something that I didn't think that I had. So after the, I, I said, okay, goodbye, and I left that and never got the antibiotics and thought she was kind of crazy. And then I sought out probably seven or eight different specialists from rheumatologist to hematologist to um, you know another neurologist to an ENT. It was like every specialist that I could ever find um, to try to figure out what was wrong. And at this point, I was having like numbness in my legs, extreme fatigue, headaches, really, really hard time concentrating, intense brain fog, and literally to the point of like, I could be standing and just close my eyes and fall asleep. That's how tired my, my body was. So it wasn't until probably about a year, a little bit over a year, that I saw a doctor that did an MRI and this was the second MRI that I had. The first MRI that I had was without contrast. And given that I was never sick before, I had no idea 
the different kinds of MRIs. So the first one was done without contrast. It showed that there was nothing wrong. The second one that I had months later was done with contrast, and it showed that I had this malformation of blood vessels in my brain that had slowly been bleeding. So it would bleed, it would clot, it would bleed, it would clot. So once I got that information, I was so like satisfied in a way that I knew that there was something going on in my body. And for months, people were telling me that like, I'm giving myself anxiety, I'm creating this illness and all of these things that were driving me even more nuts (laughs) because we know our bodies, you know, and it's so hard to sometimes express that to someone who just isn't open to listening to that. Um, So I found out that I had this, I went and saw a neurosurgeon and he basically explained to me that this is, you know, very rare. It's, it's a rare disease, actually. And it's a 1% to 4% chance that it will hemorrhage. So basically, his whole idea around this was that it would stop bleeding. Hopefully, my symptoms would dissipate. And we won't have an issue again. 1% to 4% chance is that it bursts and I'll need surgery. Or if we keep an eye on it and it continues to grow, that would be another reason why we need surgery. But it was small enough at the time that he thought, let's just wait and kind of see what happens. So after I got that news, I was very, I was mixed emotions. I was feeling like, okay, I know what's wrong or I know what's going on now. So at least you have answers because not having answers, I think is sometimes the most difficult part of the whole journey. So now I have an answer, but it didn't look that great. (laughs) So I have this like time bomb in my head that I'm hoping is not going to blow up, but no one can really tell me. And if it blows up, what does that look like? Do I die? Do I go to the hospital? Like, I don't even know what that is. So I was really just trying to stay as positive as possible. Um, I had taken a lot of, I took leave from work. Um, because I just physically couldn't really work and I was trying to figure out what was wrong and going to all these doctors and all of that. So I kind of made a decision that I just needed to go back to work and kind of take my mind off of it all and see how I could do. Um, So I went back to work and then after a week of being back at work, I got a massive, massive headache to the point of like, I couldn't focus. It hurt so bad. Never had a headache like that in my life. Um, So I went to the doctor. My doctor said, oh, you must have a migraine. Here's migraine medication. Again, not someone who ever likes to take medication. I also did not think it was a migraine, Um, but I was so desperate to get rid of this pain. It's like something I've never felt ever before. So I took the medication, literally did not do a thing. Um, I go to the ER, or I shouldn't say where, but I go to the ER, (laughs) and they admitted me Again, told me I probably have a migraine, wanted to give me an IV. I told them about the, the cavernoma in my head. They said, no, you would have way worse symptoms if something was going on. Basically, like, was blowing me off. And the ER was so busy, and a headache was, like, the least of these people's worries. <laughs> and they were just not getting me a time of day. They weren't listening to me. I ended up fainting, like, passing out. And I come to, and they're like, oh, you must be dehydrated. It was so maddening, and they sent me home that night, or you know, an hour later. And so, three days after that, I went to an imaging center and I got a CT scan. I called my doctor. I was like, "This is not going away. There's something very, very wrong." And um, it was discovered that I had the cavernoma and it had burst, and it was very large and it hemorrhaged the size of a baseball. And they basically said, "You need to go to the ER right now and get." you know, emergency brain surgery. And I was just like, okay, thank you. (laughs) I'm ready for this. Can we do it now? Because I know, and I've been telling people for two weeks. Um, And so it was weird. I didn't, I never cried, which is so crazy to me looking back. I was just like, they gave me the information. I took a cab to the hospital. They're like, we'll call you an ambulance. I was like, that seems really dramatic. I'm just going to take a cab. And I called my parents. They're in Michigan. I was like, my head exploded. Like I need brain surgery. I think you should come here. (laughs) And obviously they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, they get in the car and they drove through the night. And the next day I had brain surgery to remove the cavernoma and, um, he fixed everything in my brain. They sewed me back up. Oh my God. That gives me chills. And I just, I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, just with the fact of the matter, 
of how big of an issue it is that so many of us face these health issues and we're just not getting the, yeah, like people just aren't paying us the attention we need. Where yeah. it's like, if you look well enough on the outside, nothing's wrong. Where, you know, and like, oh, it just blows me away. I've talked with so many guests and it just infuriates me. I mean, I, you were talking about your wrong, you know, misdiagnosis of Lyme. I just had someone on who, yeah, same thing, took her like 10 plus doctors, so much money, so much time of wrong diagnoses yeah. until she was diagnosed with Lyme. And the whole time, just, you know, people writing her off. And the same thing happened for, to me for two years. And I just, yeah. So like at, you know, during that time, like, did you feel great? Like, you know, people were telling you your anxiety is causing this, yada, that, yada, that. But like, did you ever at some point think like, maybe I am making this up or were you like steadfast of like, no, something's definitely wrong here? I think majority of the time I knew there was definitely something wrong, but there would be moments where I just felt so helpless that I would kind of like surrender to like everyone else's thoughts. And I'm just like, okay, maybe you're right. Like maybe I am making this up. Maybe I am crazy, but then I would kind of snap back and be like, no, I am. There's something very wrong. Like I know my body. I'm not going to let anyone else tell me how I'm feeling. And it was just such like, you know, you're already sick and you're already, there's something wrong. And then the exhaustion from trying to express that to people and having people care and help you is just a whole nother level that's not helping whatever's going on. And it was just, if I can think back to that moment, it was just, I was so exhausted and just like frustrated, very frustrated. Um, But when I learned what happened or like what was going on, I just felt so validated. And it was almost like a weight lifted. And even though the outcome was not good, I just felt like, thank you. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I know myself and as difficult as it has been and as long of a journey as it has been, I'm glad I didn't give up. And I just kept trying to find answers. Yeah, no, I relate to that. And, you know, I, I mentioned before my health issues, it was like two years of, you know, similar to you. It's like, you you look okay from the outside and then inside you just sometimes feel like you're dying. And, um, you know, it took me just time and time again of really, it's like, you have to be your own advocate Mm -hmm. because in those moments, like no one else can understand what you're going through. No one else can really, you know, feel what you're feeling and express, you know, what needs to be expressed. And yeah, it just took time and time again, going after doctors and doctors until, you know, like finally, I got diagnosed with chronic hep C and it's like, that's not a good diagnosis, but I was so happy the day I got it. I texted, you know, one of my best friends and I was like, I did it. You know, it's like, you found that right. The gold at the end of the rainbow or something of like, once you find an answer, you really can move forward instead Mm -hmm. of going in this like hamster wheel of doctor to doctor and living with the symptoms. So I can see why, you know, like even with something as, horrible as that, it could provide some relief and, you know, just set you forward on a path of healing, hopefully. Yeah, because I think knowledge is power. It's like once you know, then you can take into your own hands and decide how you want to move forward. So what you want your healing journey to be like, what you want your life to look like now. But when you don't know, you just feel so helpless. And I think that was definitely, you know, the recovery was very challenging and, and we can go into that. But the year before was like equally as challenging. Just, you know, it's, it's very difficult. And my heart just aches for people who are struggling to find answers because it's, it's really, really difficult. Yes. And time consuming and sometimes uh, can break the bank, but. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I was single when I started, I I started dating someone. So I had a boyfriend and who's now my husband, but you know, I was financially supporting myself, working, trying to pay medical bills, trying to hold on to my job in order to pay rent. I mean, living in New York is not a cheap thing. And so, yeah, you have another stress on top of that. You know, it's a lot goes into to a chronic illness or to, you know, being sick and not knowing answers. It's not just, you know, the health part of it. It's your finances. It's your relationships with people. It's the relationship with yourself. Like so many factors are affected. And I think that's what I've learned the most in my recovery is like, there aren't enough resources to help people during this time because it is a complete life change. Truly. And, you know, and your recovery, which is, you know, a lot 
very intense is, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it here, but you know, so like when you, cause they, they had to go into your brain. I mean, yeah. Right. Like they, cause I remember at one point you were talking about like your hair growing back and everything. So like, what were those moments like when you woke back up from that? Like, you know, did you know what they were doing to you before like going into it? Yeah. So, um, when I went to the emergency room and met with the surgeon, he basically explained to me what was going to happen. And that was that they're going to do a craniotomy. So they shaved a little part of my hair, um, without getting too graphic. They basically open your skull and they access the brain and then they're able to remove the cavernoma, clean up whatever's going on, reattach what needs to be reattached inside the brain. And then I have metal screws, um, on my skull where they put my, my skull back together and then sewed up. So I had a very big incision, um, you know, on my head that I had to make sure that to, you know, keep clean and not infected and all of that. But also I have metal or like titanium screws in my head, um, which took like some getting used to when it's really, really cold out or like the weather changes, I get like this terrible pressure in my head. And I know it's not a headache. It's just the fact of the having metal in my, in my head essentially. Um, but yeah, so they, they told me the whole process beforehand. And so I knew when I woke up kind of like what happened. Um, it was very groggy the first couple of days, but I knew that I got through the surgery and that everything was okay. And basically I just needed to recover. So waking up and hearing that and knowing that and seeing my family, like definitely gave me like huge relief. So what was the first step to, you know, recovering from something like that? Were you on? pain medication? Did you like right off the bat say like, <laughs> like, no, I'm not doing any medication. What, what were the first like baby steps you took to even start recovering from all the shock? I mean, your body goes through. So I think when I first, for the first like month, it was a moment of just complete gratitude to be alive. There was like no room for anything else, but just like gratitude. I was so happy the surgery went well. I was so happy. I had all of my functions back. I did not have to relearn anything. Um, and that's not, I mean, people who have brain surgery can sometimes have big deficits. They have to relearn things. Um, for me specifically, the hemorrhage was pushing on my speech. So they kept coming in the room like every 10 minutes and asking me to like say phrases and read words. And thankfully I was recovering really well. So I was very, very grateful. Um, but then after about, I think five or six days, um, I, I did any, whatever medication they were giving me, I just took it. They put me on morphine the first two days. Um, and then I was on pain meds and then I was on anti-seizure medication. And it was almost like I wasn't in any space to like question any of that. I was like, you do what needs to be done here. And then when I go home, I can, you know, choose my healing path and whatever that is. So I left the hospital after six days and that was terrifying because I was just like, oh my gosh, there's no doctor here. There's no nurse. Like, am I okay? Should I be feeling this? And there was so much like nerve pain because they had just cut that whole area of my head. And like when the nerves start to regenerate and come back, it's all these weird sensations. And I didn't know if that was normal or if there's something wrong or so there was definitely moments in my recovery right after where I was just in this state of like, I don't know what's normal. I don't know what's not. And it gave me very, like a lot of anxiety. Um, and then about after a month, it was major, major anxiety of me realizing that my life has completely changed. And it was like, I was mourning the loss of my previous self. Like I missed being healthy. I missed going out with friends. I missed having a job. I missed working out. I missed just having the quote unquote, like normal 20 something year old, you know, really fortunate to have had that before, but like lifestyle in New York. And I had to move home so my family could help take care of me. Um, I couldn't work. I couldn't drive. I couldn't exercise. And it was a huge wake up call. It's all these little things that we take for granted or, you know, drive us nuts sometimes, such as driving and traffic. And then once they're taken away from you, I feel like those are sometimes the things that mean the most. Like just, Absolutely. just things. And it's crazy that sometimes you go through things and that's what causes you to make, you know, have those realizations. And, you know, I believe I practiced gratitude before, but it honestly, like this whole journey has brought me to a whole new meaning of like life and what's important. And 
it's just, it was crazy and it's completely changed my life now. And I look back and it's just one of those moments where I wish never happened, but I'm almost very grateful that it did because I just feel like I'm so much more aware of who I am and what I want to do and the person I want to be and just how I want to live my life daily. I, I can relate to that. I think a lot of us, I've had a few other guests who, you know, they went through extreme loss or extreme health issues. And I mean, every single one has said like, yeah, it sucks. It's hard. You don't want it to happen. But at the same time, the person you become afterwards, the life you, you appreciate afterwards is just so, so worth it. It's just transformational. So I, yeah, I get that. And, you know, so besides the just immense gratitude you felt, what were some of the other like health practices you implemented to start healing, whether that was, you know, food, uh, physical therapy. I, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start. So for like the first three months, I literally slept 18, 19 hours a day. I would sleep, wake up, have a meal, sleep, wake up, have a meal, sleep. Like that was my life. And it was concerning, but my body needed all of that sleep. And they said that that's normal. So I just went with it. And then after about three months, my doctor said, like, you're clear if you want to start to like, you know, do some light working out or moving your body. So I was walking every day, like my mom would come with me and she'd hold my hand and because of my balance was really off for the first like month or two. Um, and we would go for walks. And thankfully, I had it done in the summer. So I could get outside and get fresh air, which was helpful just being like outside and feeling that sun on your face. Um, so yeah, it basically started with just like walks every day, sleeping, a lot of rest, and definitely looking at my diet a little closer to make sure that I'm just getting nutrients, making sure that I'm having enough greens and vegetables and like a balanced meal because I didn't have any like proper nutrition like education, but I did a lot of research on literally Google search, how to heal your body, how to heal your brain. Like, and so that's kind of where it all kind of started. Um, but after about three or four months, I just felt like I wasn't making the progress I wanted to make. And mostly I was really getting in my head uh, just about, I think it was almost like this post-traumatic stress that was starting to sink in after just the year that I had gone through with not having answers and then getting answers and just having major surgery. And now being back in Michigan, it was just a lot to handle. And mentally, I just didn't handle it well, or I didn't have any tools to understand how to handle that. So I ended up meeting a health coach. Um, she was my brother and sister-in-law's neighbor. And I told her my story and she was just like, wow, like we need to talk. I can help you with things and all of this stuff. So I started talking with her and actually became really good friends with her, still really good friends with her. And she just helped me so much. She introduced me to essential oils, which I started using for my pain because I didn't want to take any medication. Um, and honestly, like they helped so much. Um, they helped with my anxiety. They helped with my head pain. They helped in a lot of different ways. So I started using that. She introduced me to an energy healer um, and a homeopath. So I started, you know, working with both of them and doing more holistic practices I started getting regular like massage therapy to calm down my nervous system and mm, therapy. I started going to therapy every week, um, which was really helpful. And I just started to really work on how to heal my body the healthiest way and looking at like, what can I like learn from this whole experience? Like it really sucked, but what, what was the lesson here? So every day I just was really gentle with myself and I did what I could and I made sure that I rested enough. And when I wasn't resting, I was basically just researching how to take care of myself. And I felt very, very fortunate that I had a family and, um, you know, at the time Clark was still my boyfriend, but he moved back to Michigan with me and he was so supportive and I didn't have to work. So I could take that time to heal. But I remember during that time thinking like, oh my gosh, if I had to go back to a job or if I had kids or other responsibilities, it would be a completely different healing journey. So I'm really, really grateful that I had the time to heal and that I was able to take that time for myself because I think it was really important. Sorry, do you hear my dog? Yeah, but it's, it's so okay. My dog's always barking during interviews. Okay. No, I think, and it is true where it's like, if you can just take that time to really, 
you know, really dive deep and just like explore all different, you know, modalities of health, whether it is through food or certain movement or, you know, well, we can talk later about energy work and all of that, but I think it is so important. And is that what inspired you then to go? Cause I think you did IAN, right? Or yeah. So I started, um, you know, Nadia is her name. She was the health coach that I became friends with and she really helped me. And, um, she introduced me to IIN because I was like, what's a health coach? I had no idea. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. I, I want to do that. And I specifically wanted to do it to help people post-surgery because I felt like that's how she helped me. And when they wheeled me out of that hospital, there was not one piece of paper, one phone number. There was nothing. It was like, see ya. And I couldn't believe that. Like I had just gone through so much and there was no resource. It was crazy to me. So I can only imagine that that was happening to other people too. So I was like, okay, I want to go back to school. I want to become a health coach and I want to help people. And really the biggest thing I think in my whole recovery was just like having that person there that cares, that understands, that listens, and that can help me navigate whatever healing that I want to do. So even though, um, like I'm, I'm a health coach. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not any of that. What I am to my clients is that support, helping them navigate their healing journey, helping them, you know, find resources, helping them. I just listening to them about their anxieties and about what they're thinking about, how we can deal with it. So just having that like point of contact was really, really helpful um, and really healing. So I, you know, wanted to go to school and then I had this moment of like, I just want to be normal. I, I want to just forget everything that I went through and I just want to go back to being normal. So I got a job in HR in downtown Detroit and Clark and I bought a house and we just were doing all the things, you know, getting the house to work, life's going to be back to normal. And I was at that job for a year. And it was a year too long and I hated every moment of it. But part of me, it was like a couple of things. Part of me was like, I want to go back to work and I want to financially contribute because I hadn't for so long. And there was no pressure from anyone to do that. But I just felt like I needed to do that. So I go back to work, I'm making money and I'm so unhappy. (laughs) And it wasn't, it was not a, um, it wasn't a positive working environment at all. So that didn't, you know, help anything. And it was so weird. It was like I was fighting going back, going to IAN. I don't know if it's because I didn't believe in myself in order to do it enough. I don't know what was holding me back, probably the fear of it all. Um, but it was just easy to sit in that chair in that office and, and get a paycheck every two weeks and go quote unquote normal again. But actually, my company that I was working for merged with another company. My job was eliminated. And I was like, this is the sign that I need to go back to school. So it was at that time that I enrolled in IIN, and I did the year-long program. And then once I graduated, I started seeing clients and working with clients. And then, you know, it's obviously grown in the past three years. So, Yeah, it's crazy what fear can really do to us. I just did uh, an episode not too long ago with someone, um, they have PTSD. And a big part of that we are talking about is just fear and how fear can really seep into our everyday life in ways that we can't even imagine. I mean, everyone has their major fears of, you know, heights, spider, death, whatever, like the big ones. But like, we don't even think about the little ones in our day-to-day life of, you know, that keep us from, you know, uh, sending the email or from calling the person or from, you know, reaching out, like all these little fears of I'm not good enough or it's not the right time, like all these little yeah. ones that really, you know, are quote unquote small. But <laughs> in the long run, you know, if we were to face those fears, they might add up to something big. And for you, it sounds like it was that fear of like, can I do my own thing? Can I do IIN? Um, you know, and it's funny how the universe works uh, sometimes, you know, giving us these health issues or taking our jobs away or, uh, you know, a plethora of other ways to really get us on the right path, like the path we were meant to be on and, you know, get us, get us going. So I I love that. And I guess everything works out. (laughs) Everything works out. I mean, the journey there was bumpy. um, But I think sometimes you have to go through all of that in order to really understand the meaning of it all. Um, 
so yeah, I definitely learned that there's no, <laughs> no room for that in my future life. You know, if something doesn't feel good or if I'm doing it for the wrong reason, it's just not the reason to do it. And going back to work just because I felt like I had to from like some like society standard or something was just the wrong reason to do that. Definitely. And, and I mean, it is, you mentioned it earlier and I did want to bring it up is, you know, the idea of energy and how that works. And it really is like an energetic thing of like, you know, where are you aligning your energy? And I saw recently that you're doing, are you getting certified as a Reiki? Okay. Can you talk on that? Because I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And when Alyssa was on the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, we meant to talk more like business, but we wound up talking about like Reiki and energy for a good (laughs) solid half an hour. (laughs) So I'd love to hear like your input on that, like what your experience has been with that. Yeah, so right after I had surgery and I met Nadia, um, she introduced me to an energy healer, and that was completely like new to me. But I was so open to it because Western medicine just like was not <laughs> doing it for me. Like I had been on a couple of medications that I had insane allergic reactions to, and it was just like this isn't aligned with me. And I knew that I wanted to go more natural way of healing. And doing the research that I did, I just if I didn't have to be on a medication, I didn't want to be. So that was kind of like my goal was to really heal my body from the core, from the root and um, not be in anything that like masks a symptom or anything like that. So I started seeing this energy healer and I didn't really know what to expect, but it actually was like a combination of energy healing and therapy. And I didn't think that that's what it was going to be going into it. I just thought like I would lay on this table, she would move some energy around and that's that. But she was able to, you know, tap in and really understand kind of like what was going on in my body, where I had blocks, what those blocks kind of meant. So it was, it turned into like therapy and I got, just created such a beautiful relationship with her. And I still, you know, I'm close with her to this day. Um, But I started going like every three weeks and I started to see my mind, my mind, my mindset shift so much. And that shift in my mindset was like starting to actually heal my physical body. So for so long, I had all this fear and anxiety in my bones from what I had gone through. And I didn't even realize how it was affecting my decisions and my daily thoughts. And like you said, everything is energy. So if you're thinking worst case scenario, you're going to attract worst case scenario. If you're thinking best case, you're going to attract best case. And she really, really helped me just completely retrain my thought process and let go of what I had gone through, move forward. I mean, we worked together on so many different things and it was just transformational. So I had always been interested in learning it myself. But again, like, I don't know, maybe it's not the right time, this and that. Um, But when I moved to New York, I met Nicole, who she's a Reiki master at Now Wellness. And I had a session with her and it was just transferred, like, just amazing. She's awesome. So I was like, okay, I connect with her. I'm feeling more aligned with this. And then she offered a Reiki training, one and two, and I just felt like it was the right time. So two or three weeks ago, um, I went through the training. So I'm, I'm trained in level one and two, which basically means that I can, you know, give it to other people. Um, but it's only been a couple of weeks. So I've just been practicing it on myself, practicing it on my dog. (laughs) Um, I've been like doing distant Reiki. Like if I see someone who I just think needs it, like I'll send them Reiki. Um, but really it's just energy, you know, that's, that's all it really is. And as a Reiki healer, Reiki master, you're just kind of like facilitating the energy moving and the better that energy can flow throughout the body body and there's no blockages, the better that you feel. So when there's a blockage, energy can't get there and that causes disease within the body. And that could be emotional or physical. Um, A lot of times emotionally it turns into a physical thing. It's just been very, I don't know, very life-changing for me. And I still go to a healer every two or three weeks, whether it's the person in Michigan, um, she does distant Reiki with me, or I go see Nicole here. I just think it's a really important part of my healing journey still. And a big part of this podcast and something I bring up nearly every episode is just the importance of like what I call 360 wellness of 
you know, physical, mental, emotional, you know, mind, body, soul, just the idea of, you know, like we are energy and it's so important to take care of that part of ourselves too. And yeah. you know, people who listen to this know I've had Reiki done, I think three times now, and each time has been actually transformative. I mean, I can think of that time as like a new chapter. Do you know what I mean? Like I go into it and from that time forward, something shifts dramatically in me. And each time it's just like, you're waking up, like you're just waking up. You're just getting a little bit closer to just like the best version of yourself you can be. And so I've been debating for a while now. Uh, you know, there's a woman in Santa Monica who offers training and I visit there every now and then. So I was debating doing it, but yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. And until someone has tried it for themselves, I think it's hard to even put into words, you know, how it can feel and what it can do for you. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I had faith in it going into it, but I really wasn't sure. And I just left the first session feeling lighter and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then I kept going back and just different things kept happening. And I felt so like, I don't know, just like so free. And like, even my head, just even my thoughts felt lighter. And I was like, okay, I need to stick with this. I need to learn more about it. And you know, working with clients, a lot of my clients have a lot of kind of what I went through, which is just this fear and anxiety from, you know, their illness and being able to bring Reiki into my practice I, has been really helpful. I haven't like charged for any services yet. I've just been like offering it because I just learned it, but I think it's really been helping people. Um, and really, you know, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of energy. It's a combination of, you know, food. It's a combination of lifestyle. It's not one thing, um, but I definitely think it helps. I love that. And you mentioned that you do offer, like you, you've been practicing with your people. So as our final like thing, can you just give people an idea of what you're, you know, because you, do you still work with clients? Like, are you still open to people? Yeah. Yeah, so I um, I have a program called the Be Healed program, and it's kind of, it started off as like a program that I offer every three months, but people have been contacting me just randomly, and I don't want to make people wait three months, so it's ongoing rolling um, enrollment, but it's basically just a three-month program, and we meet every two weeks, and we cover different topics, and it's all for people who either have a chronic illness or have been through a health trauma and are really just trying to heal physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and we kind of go through, um, you know, like six different topics that we cover, and I give a whole list of different practices to implement, you know, making these changes and improving your health. I love that, and people, I mean, you, like you mentioned before, you have an Instagram, a website, like there's so many ways that people can, you know, really learn more about you. If they're interested, they connect, connect with you. And I just, I, it's been a pleasure to share your story on here because it's truly fascinating. And I, I think it shows a great deal about your character and who you are as a person. So where can people find you connect, you know, get in contact with you, all the good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's definitely been a pleasure to be on and and you know hopefully this message reaches people who are suffering and I hope that you know they find you know support and healing in in my story and in my journey but you have a website it's just the healthy b like the letter b.com and then my instagram is the healthy underscore b just the letter b um, and that's basically where I share most of my my information perfect 